0: Take the usual podcast hosting companies and you'll stay in expensive wonderland. Take the Podcaster Matrix hosting and you'll experience a completely different world of whole podcast library hosting. Choose wisely at PodcasterMatrix.com. That's PodcasterMatrix.com. Have you ever had the feeling of being watched, hidden eyes following you, a cold chill crawling up your spine, the hairs on the back of your neck standing straight up? Do you know what that is? It's fear. It's fear. Fear is the most basic human emotion, tied into our instinct to survive. Fear gives us the means to overcome great odds or cripple us with paralyzing dread. Dread. But fear can also entertain. <laughs> Turn off all the lights, lock your closet door, and ignore the sounds from beneath your bed. It's time for Two Guys Talking Horror. Imagine, if you will, A world without the internet, where information on your favorite horror films and monsters was not right at your fingertips. A time when seeing your favorite monster movies a second time proved more than difficult. It was nearly impossible. Where would you go to get your fix for horror and monster news? How would you survive?
1: Cue the monster kids of the 1950s. Because of their insatiable appetite for all things horror-related, their generation helped give birth to the Monster Magazine, a one-stop spot to get all the monster, horror, and creature information you could axe for. How did that inspire a subculture of horror film memorabilia collectors for generations to come? Slap on your 3D glasses, boys and ghouls. As we chat with a first generation monster kid, travel back in time to discover the beginnings of the horror movie fan collector, and learn the history of monster magazines in this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror.
0: Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls. Welcome to another episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. I'm one of your hosts, Nicholas J. Hearn.
1: I'm your other host, Jason Contini.
0: And again, in epic fashion, we have a, a special guest with us. The great, but never late, John Contini. <laughs> mm-hmm. Original first-generation yep. monster kid. Welcome back to the show. Thank you.
2: I don't think I've ever been called a first-generation anything before, well, you so are, I you appreciate are. that. You are it's now. It's nice
0: to be known as something. Before we get into the meat of this episode, let's take a quick moment for some housekeeping. The Predator 2... Perspective Review. Now we're all familiar with director Wyatt Weed. We've, yeah. w- we've worked Sounds with him. I think, I think he's somebody we know. So, mm-hmm. so Somebody that we might know. Mm-hmm. Somebody I've heard the name in passing. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Wyatt, way back early on in his career, before he was a director, did a lot of stuff where special effects was concerned, including working on horror and sci-fi movies. One such film happened to be Predator 2 where Wyatt was one of the predators at the end of the film.
1: I think he was the little one, wasn't the, yes, he? I think runt, he's the runt, the, the runt of predator. the pack, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> because the majority of the guys in the suits were Lakers. Oh, I don't I don't think I Jamie knew that. Glover I was know that friends oh. with the Lakers and they needed some wow. tall people to f- fill those those costumes, so he he made a call and the majority are Lakers. Well, we were lucky enough to have Wyatt come into the studio with uh, me and Mike Wilkerson, and we did a perspective review of 1990's Predator 2. Now, this might be a little bit blasphemous, but I kind of like Predator 2 more than I like Predator.
1: Oh, I do, yeah. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, and nothing against Schwarzenegger, but but I'm a much bigger fan of Danny Glover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Than, than Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. as the hero. I, right. I, I, it's just a more interesting take on it. I don't
2: know. L- a little better of an actor, too. I mean, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. By far, yeah. By far yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I would probably go for number two. I, I, I like them both.
0: They're great. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. saying I dislike the first one, but there's just something about that second one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Be on the lookout for the Predator 2 perspective review. There'll be a link to that podcast in the show notes to this episode. All right, that's enough housekeeping. Let's jump right into learning the history of not only Monster Magazines, but the Monster Kid generation. Maniacal laugh, maniacal laugh. (laughs) Birth of a Monster Kid. Now, John, I want you to... Tell us what it was like growing up and being obsessed with mm. movie monsters, yet not having what, what we now call the internet. Or yeah. DVD. Or, 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 or VHS. Or anything. Yeah, and only
2: like three or four television channels.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine that, folks. Two or three often. channels. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, Describe first of all, well,
2: first of all uh, let me say that monster kids aren't born. We made? are created. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are created from our surroundings. My creation began probably mid to late fifties. Mm-hmm. I was a little tight. I was, uh, but I was a follower, and my older brother, who jumped into it first, rich. Yeah. And, uh, and so naturally, I followed right along. Right, And I can remember the very first day we went down to our local pharmacy, which sold magazines and comic books, where mm. I bought my earliest DC comics as well. Nice. I remember walking in there and seeing a magazine sitting on the shelf that had a very interesting painting of Vincent Price from the House of Usher. So we're saying about nineteen. 19- 60, I guess it was. I was mm. probably about 9 or 10 years old when, when I saw that. Now, I'd already been a fan of the few monster movies that I had seen on TV, mm-hmm. which was rare, particularly King Kong, which uh, played once every oh, year at yeah. least. Yeah. And sometimes one time on Channel 11 locally it ran for a week every oh, night at 7 oh, o'clock. Wow. And I watched it every night. I was going to say, o'clock. at that time
1: you block out well, that you don't go did. out. No, mm. We
2: didn't go anywhere. We didn't go to the movies that week. We stayed <laughs> home and watched it every night to get our fix. Yeah. That era was it was difficult. It was frustrating. You had a few comic books, mm-hmm. the horror comics. But keep in mind too that by like the late 1950s That was the resurgence. Before that, when you had the whole big trial thing with... Frederick Wortham. Wortham, yes. The Wortham thing. And horror comics particularly were attacked. Right. And all that was shut down and everything was gone. But by the mid-50s, thanks to a little-known publisher, James Warren, Mm. and his association with a little-known writer called Forrest J. Ackerman, Uh, they created Famous Monsters Magazine, The very first issue, I believe, February, I want to say 1958. And it had been kind of in the works for some time before that. So this Famous Monsters that I saw in the drugstore, I believe, was like number nine. Mm. So I came in like, where did this come from? Who in the world is making this? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we we gobbled it up. We took it home. And then within a couple of months, we were looking at all old stores that had old issues of magazines and comic books. Two for a nickel in a box. <laughs> oh, wow. And digging through there and finding some other past issues. Since then, I've tried to complete my Famous Monsters uh, collection. And of the first run, 191, I've got all but about five oh, wow. issues of that. But uh, I digress. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, to get just back just to, out of curiosity, yeah.
1: what's the earliest issue that you do have?
2: The earliest issue I have is number two. Number two. Number wow. Number two. Number two, which I found in a shop... Uh, many years later, so I had to pay a little bit, but um, nothing outlandish, nothing right. too yeah. outlandish. And on the cover of that issue is a man sitting on the floor, cross-legged, with a funny monster mask on. That man, by the way, is James Warren, the publisher. Oh, wow, yeah, wow! Sitting there, and uh, it's called Second Grade Issue. It was hard to find past issues because, again, at that time, being a monster kid,
0: mm-hmm.
2: there weren't comic book shops.
0: Right. Either.
2: our magazine stores. I mean, you had had to go down to the local, what we would call a confectionary or dollar store or Mm. general store and root through the old boxes of used magazines and comics. Like I said, two for a nickel or maybe a magazine was, you know, a 10 cents or something.
0: It's hard for me to even imagine not being able to go to a place specifically Mm -hmm. built for my... Hobbies, yeah. You know, it, I can't imagine mm-hmm. not being able to go. All right, I'm heading down to the comic shop. Because
1: mm-hmm. granted, you and I didn't have internet as a kid, and and DVD and and that, but we still had VHS, and we still had, yeah, comic, we had shops comic shops and shops, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know magazine mm-hmm. shops. So
2: yeah. we had old old bookstores.
3: Mm-hmm. That was it. You had yeah. to go
2: through the the old volumes of stuff. And, and when uh, you
0: lived, and and comic shops were not as brick and mortar stores were not as common as they are mm-hmm. today. Luckily enough, most grocery stores Mm -hmm. also sold Mm -hmm. comic books along with their magazines. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember a lot of times when I couldn't get into the city to go to a comic shop, I'd be lucky enough to go to a grocery store, and there on the little spinner rack there would be the issues that I'm looking for. Oh, this month's haul, all right. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's about as close as, as you and I and our generation can get to going down to, like he said, the confectionery. Oh, yeah, right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the thing, you know, the monster kid back then, like the monster in the movie, any of the movies, had to find his own blood, whatever mm. he could. <laughs> yes. So you went out hunting for it. You know, I'm not sure who coined the term Monster Kid. I'll bet it was Forrey Ackerman. I'm I'm sure it is. Um, mm. Because that was that generation. And I don't know if they used that term until many years later even. Mm. I'm not sure where that, where that term comes from. But I, I kind of like the term because, yeah, we were kids and we loved the monsters, but we treated it more than just kids' stuff. It right. became yeah. very important to us. When famous monsters exploded on the scene, About the same time, the shock theaters and chiller theaters were appearing on TV. Yeah. All the old Universal films were bought up by TV companies, and they started playing them on Friday nights, Saturday nights, and you stayed up to watch them. Mm. So that's how you got your fix. You knew where the watering holes were as a monster kid, and you went out to those places to try to find these things. Or sometimes you traded with other people. You know, I have a famous monsters number 10. You got a nine, I'll trade you for it. There you You go. Particularly if you had two. Of
1: the
3: mm-hmm. same thing,
0: or you're sitting, you're sitting there together, and it's like, hey, I haven't read nine. Hey, I haven't read ten. Yes. Yeah, so you go swap yes, for yeah. the day. Yeah, yeah, and then
2: not long after the the magazines, it, and of course being advertised in the magazines, came the models and the mm. bubblegum cards oh. and mm. uh, and the comic books that were related to monsters. Kind of came back
0: after the whole
2: trial thing right, finally yeah. faded away. There were all different kinds then, but
0: still, it was it was hard to find. You also have to think it's easy in this day and age to find more people who are interested in the same thing Hmm. you are. Mm, Yeah. Because all you have to do Mm -hmm. is open up your phone to jump online. Yeah. Back then, you actually had to have friends Mm -hmm. and hope that they liked the same thing that you did. Right. And conventions, which are happening year round Mm -hmm. everywhere nowadays, were hardly ever even heard yeah. of back then and that was the thing when when you got a magazine like that you
2: would go to the letters page mm. and you would look at the letter column and see wait a minute this guy's from st louis missouri also i don't know that name i wonder if i can get in touch with him and mm. we, can, we can share some of these things. And not like just going to Facebook and finding somebody right. who likes it. <laughs> yeah. you, you would find a letter. And that's how a lot of us communicated. And My brother had written several letters to these magazines that yeah, got yeah. published. You would look for other people in that era. And by the way, some famous people came out of that era. Really? Yeah. I have some magazines at home that have letters to famous monsters from the late 50s, early 60s from people like Joe Dante, oh, Steven Spielberg, Nice. George Lucas, these people who were monster kids also, monster fans who would write letters. Famous monsters had a fan club and in the back pages, they would list all their members by states, and you'd go to Missouri, and you'd go to St. Oh, Louis, wow. and you would see, wow, oh, wow. there's 10 okay. other people in St. Louis. I'm not alone! Like this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not totally alone. Wow. Well, and I
1: guess that's something, too, that I never thought of until now. You and Rich, did you guys have kind of a, a network that you had built? Like, you, you know, you see in things like Monster Squad and Stand By Me and mm-hmm. these, you know, these groups of five or six yeah. kids. Did you guys have a network, or were you two... The network, <laughs> like we, you well, the two, two
2: of us were probably the network. We had people that would join us, kids from the neighborhood, some of his friends, my friends, who would occasionally join us. They would come and go. Right. Mm. They weren't as dyed in the wool. Monster fans, I guess, as we were. There were a couple that would stick with it, and we would, of course, hop on the bus and go downtown to, like, the Fox movie theater at that Mm, time, and other theaters, and see the latest Vincent Price movie that came out, or the latest Ray Harryhausen film, or George Pal, or, or whatever. There might be three or four of us that would go down as a group to see Mm -hmm. that. So, Mm -hmm. again, it was it was a small it was a small networking. We knew there were many more. You would look through those. Fan pages, and you right. would see, like in in California, in Los Angeles, there were hundreds, perhaps. Huh, well, yeah. yeah, but we we felt like we were somehow connected even though you never knew them and maybe never even spoke to them or met them
0: they were part of the group there was proof sure i'm yeah. not a, i'm not alone yep. i'm not a i'm yep. not a freak because i like this stuff yep. yeah all these other yeah.
2: people like this yeah you joined the fan club and you got like a little card or a sticker or something and you proudly wore it there you go and said oh wow i'm a member of the famous Monster so were you
1: were you club. officially a, did you ever join did you ever um
2: i believe we did you know <sighs> Testing my memory here. Uh, we probably weren't <laughs> in it officially for a long time, but I do remember sending away for it. And I do remember a button or something like that that we had huh. for a while. I wish I
0: would have saved all those, mm. but I saved the magazines. That was the most. Yeah, important. that's what's important. Yeah. Now, speaking of the magazines, <clears throat> uh, tell us about the monster magazine that you and your brother actually created.
2: Well, yeah, we were we were copycats. And, of course, when you're a fan and when you're Monster Kids, you want to do your own. Right. right. You're not maybe as, as well off or as lucky as Steven Spielberg and go out in your garage <laughs> and shoot a movie and mom <laughs> right. pays for it all. But so you, you made your own. So my brother and I made our own comic book line. Mm. very similar to the Marvel comic book characters creating our own. And then so we did the same thing with the Monster Magazine. There was Famous Monsters of Filmland. We came out with our own called Great Monsters of the Movies. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Catchy title, right? I did all the artwork. I drew the covers. I did. We made up our own movies, too. They were They oh, weren't wow, okay. necessarily about movies that were real. Occasionally we mm. would do something like that. But we would make up our own films and say, you know, next week – the creation of this new monster called the X-Man and we did a whole series of X-Man movies <laughs> supposedly oh, nice. and uh yeah we made up our own names of the actors who were in it sometimes myself <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now, tell me about the X-Man was the X-Man some deranged killer who used yes, an axe
2: yes yes he kind of like the Frankenstein monster he came back from the
0: dead so essentially you and your brother Created Jason Voorhees. Oh yeah, long before, yes. before Jason <laughs> Voorhees. Yes, you've yes. heard it here first,
2: yes. folks. The Axeman, <laughs> and I can't remember his name, what it was now, but I do have those old drawn magazines at home somewhere.
1: Maybe Archlight Studios will uh, will develop an Axeman, Axeman movie and actually yes. take one of those yes. those old monster movies yeah. that you guys made up for fun and actually make the real right. movie. And, and
2: we said there was the, and then there was the return of the Axeman and Curse of the Axeman. <laughs> Frankenstein meets the Axe Man, and all sorts, you know, Wolfman meets the Axe Man. And and we created some others too. I'm not going to be able to think of them right now. But uh, most of those names and titles and things came out of the mind of Rich. Mm. Uh, the, the look and the art came out of my demented mind. There you go. <laughs> the Axe Man was, of course, very tall and uh, a very scarred face with kind of greenish long hair and uh and he carried this bloody axe or everything. <laughs> I'd
0: watch that.
3: I would too. I would totally watch that.
1: And in addition to that, you know, you had mentioned the models and um yes. you know obviously I I remember as a kid, you know, even before my my younger brother Nathan, even before Nathan mm-hmm. was born and came along, I you know, I remember that you kept all of your models I still have, in yeah. my room. Oh, that's right. Yeah. When I was younger, so I, you know, I saw them all the time. But you still yeah. have a bunch of them, don't I you? Still the have old Aurora, the main, or
2: yeah, the main twelve, I believe, the first twelve that came out. And the very first one I got was, of course, Frankenstein, which was, I think, the first one that came out. Mm. Uh, I might have bought it a little bit later. I don't know. And what were they? A dollar fifty, I think, in a box. Wow. And you had to right paint right. them all the pieces and then glue them together. They were all hand painted by me and then glued together. Frankenstein was, I want to say, I picked it up like around nineteen sixty one, sixty two. Somewhere Hmm. in there, I I, may have my dates wrong. I know I was in grade school. Rushed home with it and right away laid out all the pieces on silver paper and never built a model in my life before. Mm. Oh, and where my friends were building model cars and model airplanes, I was building model monsters. <laughs> and uh, I would hand paint each of the pieces, and they were very well crafted. Well, you've seen them, yeah, oh, they're, yeah. yeah now they're great they're models. Like, what 150 bucks oh, to buy yeah. one or something? Completed
1: originals from that, yeah. yeah. They do They do uh, reissues of them because I've bought a couple of reissues, yeah. yeah, that I've been doing, but but and yeah, painted originals. Yeah, it's like a different like a plastic. Yeah, it's a different of, plastic. It's
2: not, you know, ours could break very easily, and you were always repairing them <laughs> because you had to clean them constantly, too. You put it on a shelf, and a month later, they were covered with dust and right. spider webs. which was kind of neat looking. Right. But uh, <laughs> Particularly for Frankenstein. But you would have to brush them off and take a little brush with water and get in the little grooves and clean mm. them all, and I... Cared for all of them: Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, the Mummy, Creature, all the way up through Bride of Frankenstein. I had a, I have King Kong and Godzilla. Wow! Um, it was a whole run of Aurora models, and then I started building all the others, the superhero ones, and all hmm. those, which I've since sold. Yeah, <clears throat> but I've kept the monster ones. And Monster Cards, which were really big back then. There were several series of bubblegum cards. And, again, you run down to the local confectionery, hmm. and what was it, maybe 10 cents or something for a pack? you got to stick a bubblegum in there and yeah. like five cards and a sticker. Wow. Usually. And the cards, uh, remember one series, which I still have at least half of, it had a green frame around it, and it was black and white photos from several the universal and the AIP films and the Harryhausen films and you might pick a card that showed the cyclops from seventh voyage of sinbad oh, and it would say seventh wow, okay. voyage of sinbad on there then came the series with the photos and the jokes on the bottom huh. you know instead of identifying the picture and i have several of those you were trading those constantly because you'd open a pack and you'd get obviously doubles right. for sure. baseball cards so you would trade with your friend here, I'll give you a creature for a mummy because I don't have that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would try to collect them all. To this day, I'm still trying to collect that that green <laughs> frame series. <laughs> and I know I'm still missing probably about 10 or 12 out of a 65, 70, something like that. Oh, wow. Wow. Hours, okay. I think it was something along those lines. Not a bad run, though. Yeah there were several different series runs on those. It's probably impossible to get them all now. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure somebody out there has got a set or I'm sure yeah. no, somebody who has a set and I'm sure a set, something like that's probably going yeah. for Bucu De Niro. Yeah. I would assume. Yeah, I would think so. Most definitely.
2: Yeah. I put most of mine in like a, in one of these book uh, albums. Yeah. They oh, have yeah. sleeves and you can put them yeah. on in there. I don't know if they're worth more and packages unwrapped
0: or whatever. yeah
1: Yeah, it depends yeah
0: we actually did very recently Jason and I did an episode uh, revolving around horror collectibles mostly action figures and toys Mm -hmm. and uh, from our era and how cool they have gotten today you know the, the, the quality has gone up and we'll definitely leave a link to that episode in the show notes to this episode over at our website It's alive,
1: so I think we were saying before that prior to famous monsters and and the the early sixties, it was really difficult to to get access to that stuff. What I've learned in you know doing doing some research recently is that all of this kind of came out of what was known as shock theater, mm-hmm. which I guess was um essentially like a a syndicated show, basically, right? It was like Mm -hmm. a company that purchased old horror films and then would show them in various markets around the country on late-night TV. Mm -hmm. And I guess in each market, did Shock Theater have its own host, or was there a different host in each market
2: that worked through Shock Theater? All that exploded so quickly. The term Shock Theater, I think other local stations in other cities started using, because I don't, I don't think it was copyrighted, Shock mm, Theater, right. started using Shock Theater as the title for a late night, Friday night horror flick that they could show. I see. And usually a local... Actor, celebrity from that er- area would play the host either in makeup as a character, the most famous, of course, Zachary, yeah. uh, who was connected so much with famous monsters, who started, I think, in a little local market and then
0: expanded. Expanded, yeah. Uh, to several other markets. There's a really great documentary called American Scary that goes over We've the history of yeah. the horror hosts. Oh, wow. And mm. in all these TV stations, like, okay, we have access to all these movies. Mm hmm how are we going to show them? And, and yeah. it was like, get a horror host. Yeah. And sometimes the horror, the, the hosts were serious. Sometimes it was tongue in cheek. Yes. Uh, sometimes they didn't last very long. Sometimes like Zachary, mm-hmm. I mean, Zachary was around for a very long time. Yes. That was pretty much how kids and teenagers were able to see the old movies. Yeah. Because they'd take them out of mm-hmm. theaters. You, yeah. you couldn't see yeah. them anymore in the theaters. Yeah. From
1: what I, I have learned is that it's, it's kind of because of shock theater that Warren and Ackerman mm-hmm. got together and did that, that first initial, what was it, just like a special one-shot, a that one first shot one, right? Uh, the first yeah. Famous Monsters?
2: Which was going to be called Fantastic Monsters of Filmland. Mm. Oh. But the, uh, the company, and I don't, I don't remember the name, that was going to publish it suggested the title Famous Monsters instead of Fam- And they said, fine, as long as we get it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. And, we'll do whatever uh, you want, just print it. <laughs> and by the way, it came out in the middle of a snowstorm. Oh, really? Uh, that I've read, and that uh, it sold out immediately. Wow. So Not they knew they were onto something <laughs> right there. Oh, yeah. Wow. And that started the whole Monster Magazine craze, Famous Monsters. Yeah, well, that
1: kicked it into gear, <clears throat> and and especially with the popularity of yeah. Shock, Theater, Shock and, Theater and everything. And, and,
2: and... of course, Zachary Lee, and then also a resurgence in horror films in the movie theaters, With the beginning of Hammer Films in the late 50s and the AIP films and the whole sci-fi craze carried through the 50s, it became the entertainment craze for the teenager Mm -hmm. and the younger kids. Chiller Theater was another take on shock theater. In St. Louis, we also had chronos on zone two which was a daily (laughs) like three o'clock four o'clock every day you'd rush home from school to catch chronos on zone two and they would do old uh universal films and and some of the uh, cheaper newer 50s films Hmm. that they bought up and that was hosted by a local actor named jack murdoch who was a very fine actor who I had a chance of working with several years later in the production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and got to talk to him a little bit about it. He loved doing it. He loved yeah. playing Kronos. I wore this, I don't know, big glasses, and and he was kind of a, a derby, and he just would <laughs> just get out there and talk a little bit and joke around, and then, and, of course, today we have Sven Guli. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I never yeah. miss Sven Guli. So Sven
1: Guli and, um, and Joe Bob, right?
0: Joe Bob Briggs has, yeah, uh, is, has, back now is back too. on yeah. Shudder. Shudder, he uh, he came back last year for just a marathon. It was a 24-hour marathon. We're going to show these movies, and that's it. And it broke the internet. Oh, Oh, wow. It did, yeah. All of Shudder's servers shut down, and people couldn't watch. And so they, they repeated it, and it was so popular that he came back for thanksgiving and did a thanksgiving marathon the dinners of death that was popular so they talked him into coming back for a christmas special and he was like well if i'm doing a christmas movie i'm gonna do it my way <laughs> and ended up showing all of the phantasm movies oh wow because silver balls i guess i guess mm, <laughs> oh, okay <it> <laughs> okay yeah. and that was so popular they gave him a show huh wow <laughs> and, and uh, every friday night and it was uh, i want to say the first season was only for the Fourteen weeks, but every Friday night he showed two movies, interrupted with you know his commentary and and, and huh. drop some knowledge on you. I remember watching Joe Bob on the original the Movie Channel, mm-hmm. uh, and then there was a whole generation of people who watched Joe Bob on TNT's yeah. Monster Vision. I yeah. never was able to. I, I watched never had it. TNT, right? I so, watched
1: it on yeah. TNT. Yeah,
0: the horror host, especially back then, introducing films. The way that I look at it is that. You were finally able to the delivery system was was being perfected and you're finally getting uh, the the parents who may have watched these older films can now say, well, yeah, honey, you know, no, you'll you'll enjoy this. And you're introducing Mm -hmm. it to a new generation, not only the new movies, but then they go back and they watch the old movies and you get to read about it in the magazines. Well and which that's they didn't have before. Right.
1: And that and that's the other thing. Like I know that the the uh horror hosts obviously made a huge impact on uh, the Monster Kids and and Ackerman and Warren clearly were the creators of the Monster Kids, whether the term mm-hmm. was there or not. They started they it. They are but, the parents, yes. Yeah, they're the parents of it all. And um the horror hosts certainly helped it. But even at that time when that was starting the, the person that had the biggest impact on Monster Kids has to be Forrest J. Ackerman. Yeah. Now, at that time, was he Forrest J. Ackerman to Monster Kids, or was he just an editor of a book and you didn't... Like, did he have the popularity that he had years later?
2: I would say it grew pretty quickly <laughs> with with the uh, publication of Famous Monsters. When it first came out, I'm sure most of the Monster Kids didn't know who Forrest J. Ackerman was if you started buying the magazine and started reading his little editorials and particularly his jokes uh-huh. his humor yeah. throughout and then you learn more and more about him about his Acker mansion his Acker museum and uh, his collection and oh, his yes. his love for sci-fi horror and fantasy going back to the 20s i think the the real the real fans of famous monsters they knew who he was his legendary status probably came a little bit later sure. uh after um they started doing things about him in news programs and on tv right. and documentaries and but we knew who he was <laughs> we knew who he was from 1960s on for sure
0: i've always looked at uncle Forey as the monster mag equivalent of stan lee
2: oh
1: yeah yes you know exactly. he's
0: he's got that that sense of humor he's that personable he's he's very they even in their young his younger years he he kind of, they kind of looked alike yeah, sort of. Way, yeah, almost. <laughs> yep.
1: You know, Nick, I don't know if um, if we've ever shared this tidbit with you. We actually got to meet Uncle Fourie, Uh What was that about twenty years ago? I think mm-hmm. at a at an Archon convention in
2: Illinois. Bradbury. Oh, yeah, yeah. We met him,
1: Ray Harryhausen, Harryhausen
2: Ray Bradbury, Ray Bradbury, and Julia Schwartz Julius from Schwartz from D.C. They yeah, were all yeah. there at that.
1: They were show. all at the one show, and yeah, it was yeah. great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, yeah, you got that sign. We got pictures with him. Yeah, we got pictures with him. I should dig those pictures up.
2: Actually got to sit and chat a little bit. And uh, and Ray Harryhausen, now I got to meet twice. Yeah. I met him there, but I met him the first time when he was appearing in Cleveland, Ohio, showing his, his work. Huh. And I got to meet him. that's the picture that's that the I picture had taken that we got published in famous monsters, and that's my claim to fame yeah <laughs> I'm published in famous monsters yeah
1: in the in the resurgence of right. it, which we'll get right. into in a, yeah. in a little bit, you know, aside from Forey, there is another person that we haven't really touched on too much just yet uh who had a huge impact on monster magazines and the monster kid generation at that time, and that's basil Gogos, yeah. And his amazing those covers. covers. Mm. He, if you
0: weren't going to the magazine for the information to begin with, you're going for the covers. Yeah, yeah. Because those were just absolutely beautiful.
1: Now, do you know, uh, in, the, in the early issues, you know, it was always a, a weird picture, like you said, of the guy sitting cross-legged on the front. <laughs> yeah. at, at what point did Basil Gogo's work start getting featured on the cover?
2: Well, I'm looking here in this in this magazine right now, and, uh, yeah, you're right. The first couple of issues were just uh, silly pictures, photographs, mm-hmm. uh, whatever. But then around, it looks like around numbers, eh, even four, five, six, some of the Basil Gogo stuff starts appearing.
1: Okay, so pretty so, early he showed yeah, up.
2: I don't know exact. Well, let's see. It doesn't list a credit here. But uh, I know some of these are Go-Go's. Yeah. So yeah, he, he goes back to the early beginnings.
0: Synonymous, just like Uncle Forey with Famous Monsters. Yeah. Yep. And sadly, yep. also recently, not, not all that long ago, passed away.
1: Yeah,
2: and I another think artist at that time who did some work for Famous Monsters and for Creepy was uh, the one who did all the, the paperback covers for the Tarzan and the Burrows, and that was Frank Frazetta. Oh. No, his paintings are just absolutely gorgeous. Now,
1: see, I didn't know Frazetta did covers for famous monsters yeah, he did, in, he at did time. A few oh, he wow!
2: Particularly, some, he did some stories for creepy and eerie. Now that I knew, yeah. yeah.
1: Wow, I didn't realize that. So, frizetta every bit as uh, as influential to it all as as Ackerman and Gogos, then.
2: I would say so. I mean, he was an idol of mine. You know, I particularly liked the artists like Kirby, of course, for Marvel. Right. And Frank Frazetta. I, I would particularly buy, I bought the whole At the Earth's Core series because the covers were by Frank Frazetta. hmm And the stories were great, <laughs> of course. He did all the Burroughs stuff, the whole se- all the Tarzans, all the uh, Pellucidar, all the uh, John Carters. Mm-hmm. And uh, an ad of his appeared just about in every Famous Monsters magazine, and that was the ad for the giant drawing of the Frankenstein monster you could get. Very kind of a cartoony. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hands. yeah. You probably have seen the poster. Yeah. Uh, it was like six feet tall, and you could hang it in your room. I yeah. never did get one of those. Darn. It
1: was like a door poster yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah, Yeah.
2: and it was Frank Frazetta's drawing.
1: Wow. And, yeah, now there was a lot of other magazines, too, besides Famous Monsters, right, at that oh, time? I mean, the yes. copycat started yeah, coming
2: out. right away. It didn't take long because Famous Monsters was making money. Sure. A magazine on oh, the yeah. stand selling for $0.35 cents an issue. Oh. $0.35 cents an issue. Of course, that $0.35 cents was hard to earn back then. I had well, to do right. a lot of dishes at home <laughs> to get $0.35 cents a week to go buy it.
1: Purposely dirty up dishes so that you yeah, can do absolutely. me. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Yeah, cut the lawn. Nightly raids like of the couch to try <laughs> yeah, to yeah, change. Yeah. change, right. Right. So thirty-five cents for a magazine, I guess, is equivalent to spending probably close to fifteen, twenty dollars for one today. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. so. Yeah. It was it was hard to come by. So you, you saved up. Besides that, I was also buying Marvel
0: Comics, all
2: twelve issues every month. So whew. now,
0: now yeah. we understand why previous generations worked harder (laughs) because they wanted things there were so many yeah you could get them there there were so many
1: cool things and yeah and i know that i've recognized a lot of the titles you know journal of frankenstein and obviously you had the comic magazines like creepy and eerie and and those things but outside of famous monsters what were the big ones at the time i mean we look at them now and to us they're all classics so they're all big ones but at that time what was a
2: I would say probably within a year or two, and again, I'm not really great on dates, but within a year or two, the probably the first one to come out was Kelvin Beck's Journal of Frankenstein, hmm. which then uh, then very next issue became Castle of Frankenstein. Okay. And that had a good 35, 36 issue run and then ended, it, but... Since then has come back a couple oh, wow. of times, I think, and then ended again. <laughs> I don't think Calvin Beck was doing it anymore. I'm not sure when he may have passed away. And then there were a lot of cheaper... By the way, that was a very good magazine, too, and mm. the editorials were very well done, and probably even a little more um, uh, well-researched than some of the stuff Fory was putting out. <laughs> <laughs> Fory would get things out there sometimes before it was actually proven. Like I can remember sometimes him... Um, Identifying a wrong picture in a magazine from a wrong film. <laughs> the uh, oh, the early yeah. rumor mill, <laughs> yeah. almost
1: fake uh, yeah. news. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, fake monster news. Fake monster uh, news.
2: <laughs> and then came uh, uh, a cheaper publication, uh, horror monsters and mad monsters, which hmm. was published by Charlton. You remember the Charlton comics? Oh you yes. See? Oh okay. Yeah. Blue Captain Beetle and, and Blue Beetle yeah. and all wow. those. Well, they had their own magazine. It was printed on like a really cheap newspaper print. So it would fade in your hands. You could get it all over your hands. And the picture Mm. was almost gone before you finished the magazine. Mm. But there were several issues of those. And those were pretty quickly put together. But you still bought them. It didn't matter. You bought them. And sometimes you would buy two copies. And then you would cut one up. Because my (laughs) brother and I made scrapbooks, which I saw. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, Volumes of scrapbooks cut up from old monster magazines. Photos that we would do our own, basically. Nice. And uh, so Horror Monsters and Mad Monsters. And then I would say by the early to mid-60s, 63, 64, when Hammer Films was really taking off, yeah, uh, particularly in the States, there were a lot of magazines that highlighted those mm. instead of the universals. Sure, And there were magazines called Modern Monster, which was kind of both Universal, the old classics, and... The Hammer Films, and there was one called Shriek, and and uh, Monster Mania. Uh, each of those ran only had a run of maybe three or four issues. They were very well done, nice covers, glossy work, uh, a, a nicer newsprint, and uh, b- better quality paper, and so on. Yeah. And the articles were, were were pretty well written. They were trying to give famous monsters a run for their money. Mm. Maybe they were just too smart at that time. (laughs) I I, I don't know. Maybe people wanted the humor that for Yeah, They they wanted their monsters to be fun. These guys started analyzing the films and started writing critiques more and started taking things apart. And while real monster fans, like my brother and I, we love that sort of thing, I don't think the generic monster fan – was too fond of
1: Sure, it. give us the give us yes. the monster and quit, yeah. yeah.
2: Shriek magazine was one that I guess predates Fangoria in the sense that it was one that was a little more sensational mm. than mm. the others, maybe a little more adult by showing some of the films in the 60s that highlighted the the sexiness of horror films, mm. the 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 blood and the gore of the horror films and they would show up and they would have pictures in the magazines always black and white of course because it was black and white print yeah those were a little more shocking to 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 get a hold of it and read and then oh there were many others there was um uh some from england uh there was a magazine called house of hammer which then became Halls of Horror or something I think they finally evolved into. Yeah. That was kind of unique in the sense that each issue would take a Hammer film and and do it in comic book form. Oh wow. So cool. Like this one I'm Like drawn or yeah. photos? Uh no, drawn. Actual actual drawings. This one I have in my <laughs> hand right here is a copy of The Creeping Unknown as it was called in America or the Crater Mass Experiment from England. And it's actually oh wow around, uh, the whole film part two there in this issue, and it would tell the whole story and they and the artwork was was pretty darn good and they would actually draw them to look like the actors like look that looks like Brian Don Levy there, uh, from Quatermass that ran a good forty fifty issues I believe that's a brilliant concept yeah, yeah. It was, each issue would take it but then there were other articles in there as well they mm. also did. Film articles uh, on, on classic films, and, and the whole thing. It was a monster magazine as well as sometimes original scary stories drawn in there, too. Hammer wow. was a was void kind for of that
1: one. in the current day and age. There yeah. needs to be some more of those. That's and cool. And
2: then there was even a newspaper, uh, a monthly newspaper called the Monster Times, and it was printed actually on newspaper print, <laughs> and it would fold out, and it was literally a newspaper chock full of stories and articles wow. on everything connected to horror, fantasy, sci-fi films. That ran probably 60, 70 issues. Wow. Holy cow. That's kind of hard to find, I think, now. I have several, but I don't have them all. Now, Warren and uh, Warren Publishing and, and all that were, uh, besides Famous Monsters, they had several spin-offs. Mm-hmm too, that you would grab as soon as, possible. besides the Famous Monsters yearbooks, which were reprints of articles throughout that whole year, or they called them fear books, I believe. Mm-hmm. and um, uh, they would reprint the covers, usually, of some of the past issues on the front, and then on the inside, they would have reprints of the articles. Mm. Foray then came out with Monster World that only ran about 10 issues at the same time Famous Monsters was running. It was a companion magazine. So one month you'd get Famous Monsters, and next month Monster World. Ah, okay. It okay. was bimonthly. Okay. Or, um, yeah, bimonthly. Monster World only ran about ten issues, and what's interesting, in a typical Fawry fashion, years later when uh, when 4-E was was really anxious to get to issue one hundred mm. of Famous Monsters, he decided to take the ten issues of Monster World, and said just said that they were part of famous monsters and they were issues number (laughs) 70 to 79 so famous monsters jumped from issue 70 to 80 so monster (laughs) world now counts as those 10 missing issues oh wow of famous monsters if you're if you can follow on <laughs> wow, Wow, uh, So My magazine, I can do what magazine. I want. Do whatever he wants, you bet. That's exactly <laughs> what he did. He wanted so that anniversary he, issue. He wanted to get there. And then, of course, they published Creepy and yeah, Eerie, yeah. as you mentioned before. They also had a magazine called Wildest Westerns. It only ran about eight issues, and it was all about Western movies and Western TV shows, and that was at a time when Westerns were at their height. Yeah, yeah. Television in 1959 had something like 33 Western TV series playing in prime time. So
1: Warren, Warren did do other things besides the, the horror
2: stuff. Another one was Screen Thrills Illustrated, It was based on the action-adventure films of the 30s, 40s, and 50s, hmm. the movie serials. Hmm. Uh, it was in Screen Thrills that I first learned about the Captain America movie serial, which hmm. I never knew it existed until oh, wow. I read about okay. it. And, then, and that was right before Marvel brought him back in The Avengers. Hmm. And they they did articles on that, and then they also published a magazine called Space which just highlighted science fiction films. Wow!
0: And like famous which also monsters, back then at that time, science yep. fiction was huge. It, too. Was. Yeah. Yeah. it
1: was
2: very very huge, and that sparked then some other science fiction magazines to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, years later, Starlog, of course, and, right. uh, and others. Well,
0: but, when you uh, know that you've got a delivery system for fans for what they want, right? It's cash cow. Right. So you want to try to milk that for everything yeah. that it's worth. I'm surprised yeah. that there wasn't... Hey, you like Pirates? Yeah, really. Pirate Monthly. Evidently, nobody likes Pirates. Yes, we sold yeah. one copy. Yeah. <laughs> I think there were some gangster film ones, uh,
2: perhaps, see, okay, too. Okay, see? yeah, Mobsters, uh, gangster especially stuff. Especially around yeah. the time The Untouchables was popular on TV. Uh-huh. And then, of course, the market became glutted with them. And that's why a lot of the lesser-known ones fell by the wayside. Sure. Quickly. They couldn't keep up with it. As good as modern monsters and, and uh, monster mania and uh, shriek, I thought they were very good. They had a short run, about yeah. a year, you know three, four issues each, and, and they were gone.
1: They, um They certainly did their job in creating the Monster Kid generation, the yeah. original monster yeah. kid generation.
2: That's where we learned it all.: Because it was hard to even find books, film books about. Monster films. Mm. Now, of course, these magazines sparked a resurgence in that, and then mm-hmm. everybody started writing books. Well, the most famous, William K. Everson's uh, uh, classic "Monsters of the Movies," I believe, was the first really hardbound book that dealt with the history of horror films. Yeah, and uh, particularly all the Universal and the silent films, all the way up to to Hammer films. Then there became a whole slew of monster books, monster film books. Hmm. Calvin oh. Beck, who published Castle Frankenstein, wrote several and had those published. Uh, and, you know, as a monster kid, you went and bought those, too. Oh, so yeah. You knew everything about Boris Karloff. You knew everything about Vincent Price. And, uh, well, this is you how you became the authority. Yeah.
0: This yeah. is how you get to hold court for yep. all of your friends. I right. yep. read all these magazines. Yep. Ask me a question. I right. can give you the answer. Yep. And you, yeah. and you would try
2: to compile your own list because you, ha- you couldn't go to IMDb right. and see how many movies did Boris Karloff make. You had to find out by going through these books and magazines yeah. that this year he had this many films and he was in these. And you would find the cast lists and you would research. I spent, a, in fact, my brother and I wrote a book, which we mm-hmm. never published, <laughs> you know about it, yep, yep. called uh, Children of the Night. Uh, the line from Dracula, dealing particularly with the horror actor. And there's, it's like in three sections, the first section are the stars, Carloff right. Price, Lori, all those people, Cushing Lee. And then there's a section on the co stars, the little lesser known ones, Dwight Fry, Noble mm. Johnson, these people. And then a section on the guest stars, those people who were known for other things, but made a half a dozen horror fantasy films, you know. You know, did you know Randolph Scott, the Western star, Randolph was Scott. in horror films? <laughs> he made a couple of horror films. Really? Now, see, I yeah. didn't know that. See, and so this book deals with all of that. Why haven't, and, why haven't you published this book? Well, uh, it needs to be updated now because we finished it about uh, mm. 23 years ago, something like oh, that. probably so, more than that. Yeah. So I need to get back and research and fill in all the gaps. <laughs> well, it could be <laughs> volume one.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's it could, it could yeah. be a volume one, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just prep but, a second uh, one.
2: Yeah, yeah. and i even started collecting all the photos for it, too. I even have a box full of headshots and pictures of these people that I wanted to use in there. Any publishers out there interested, <laughs> just uh, contact me.
1: But see, it was that era of Monster Magazines and that, that era of the beginning of the Monster Kid yeah. that gave you the, the drive and the research to put something like that together. And that's where we, we ask you, the audience, were you a first-generation monster kid? Share with us your experiences of growing up with these classic monster magazines. Head on over to our website at uh, twoguystalkinghorror.com, hit the contact button, fill out the contact form, and let us know.
0: a lot of things changed in the late 60s early 70s the world changed film changed horror changed and one of the big reasons for that change was 1973's the exorcist
1: it had a huge impact on monster kids monster kids changed
0: well yeah yeah yeah. i read the exorcist once a year (laughs) it is an engrossing book and that movie i When I was growing up, my mother told me a story. She was at the drive-in as a teenager. She was at the drive-in, and it was one of those two-sided drive-ins where the concession stand was in the middle, and you had one screen over here and one screen over here. Mm -hmm. So she's watching. She couldn't even remember what she was watching, but she was walking to the concession, and on the other screen, couldn't hear it, but she saw bits and pieces of The Exorcist. Gave her nightmares for a week. As a child for me, I was forbidden to ever watch that film in her house. You you will never watch this movie in my house, Nicholas. Well, come to find out, <clears throat> uh, Channel 11 was showing a, a, an edited version. Of course, it's for TV, so it's, it can't be that scary if they're putting it on TV. My mother was out. My sister was playing with a friend. Why not? I only got a few minutes of the film before people came home and I had to turn things off. <laughs> but it was enough because yeah. it was the pea soup scene. Oh. And my bedroom was a converted garage, so when you turn the lights off, it was pitch black. Every time for a month, every time I turned the lights off, I saw that face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It affected me, and I can, under, I can and and that's you know modern day. Well, not modern day. Back then, it was you know late eighties or late eighties, early nineties. But just imagine nineteen seventy three, that movie coming out, and and audiences they freaked uh-huh. for good damn reason.
1: You know, you mentioned Exorcist and how and how that affected things, and I know you know when I was growing up, you used to give us older copies of Famous Monsters or Mm -hmm. if you had a copy that was (laughs) um, dog-eared and you bought a cleaner one, you gave us an old one. I I remember, I don't know if you gave it to us or if I just saw it around the house, seeing a copy of Famous Monsters that had Reagan from Mm -hmm. The Exorcist Mm -hmm. on the cover. One thing that I I have not been able to find out in any research, and I don't know if you know, at what point did Famous Monsters kind of make that switch and start covering the bigger stuff of that time, because prior to that, it was all classic and famous monsters. Well, but that seems like a kind of a big jump for them.
2: Not really. They, they always covered the classics, of course. But there was always an article or two in the magazine that, that would... Um deal with whatever was new coming out at the time. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, an article, okay. I believe they even called it Shape of Things to Come. Oh, and then no. occasionally they would pick one or two of those films and highlight it in a whole issue by telling us more about it. Sometimes the information was not correct, but they would uh, <laughs> highlight it. So doing The Exorcist really wasn't anything different than what they had done in the past. Probably uh, a few years before that, Say four, three, four years before that, they were covering, yeah, things like the latest Godzilla movie or mm. the Green Slime, or, <laughs> green uh, <laughs> slime. <laughs> or, you know, the latest Hammer film. So when The Exorcist came out, big budget mainstream horror film, sure, it's going to be on the cover and they're going to cover it. Maybe even before they knew what they were covering. Mm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, makes sense to and want to try sold. to capitalize yeah. on Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah sure, it sure. Sell. So you put The Exorcist on the cover, that magazine's going to sell. Mm. Yeah, And it did. Yeah. And then people would see that, but then they'd read the articles about the older ones.
1: Too. And learn all the other that's a yeah. That's great, you know, because then it keeps it all alive.
2: So it wasn't just old stuff, and it wasn't just the new.
1: It was a nice balance, yeah. which, a few years later, we got a new Monster magazine that didn't quite have that same approach. Mm-hmm. In uh, 1979, there was a new magazine that was Coming out, I think it actually came out maybe a year or two prior, called Starlog, that focused on uh, mostly science fiction and action films and talking about things that were coming up. The publishers of that magazine put out a new magazine based primarily on fantasy and adventure, and it was called Fantastica, and it failed miserably, and the sales were terrible. Not a really great name, No, no. And sometime during the early run of it, they did a feature on Tom Savini uh, and his makeup work, and specifically Dawn of the Dead. Ah. That spawned the book to basically becoming Fangoria, which, like Famous Monsters before it, completely changed the face of Monster Magazines. But unlike Famous Monsters, it really focused on what was coming out. It wasn't so much a a mix between things that were new and on the horizon with historical breakdowns of classic films. It was literally a news source. It was just, um, this is what's coming, these are the people that are doing it, and this is what you can expect. For the first-generation monster kids, did you guys get into Fangoria
2: much? I think there was a divided camp here. Uh, Was there? Yeah, I think a lot of the real older and and old fashioned Monster Kid fans uh were not too crazy about Fangoria because there wasn't enough there about the classics, obviously. Oh, well. And also uh a lot of us weren't as interested in the modern horror film as we had been in the older films. And we knew that the face of film was gonna change and we knew that, mm-hmm. that this is what it was going to be. The classic film is is uh was too dated for today's audience obviously. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was, on one hand, glad that there was a magazine like Fangoria that would still highlight horror films in some way or other, but um, to almost ignore the classic sure, films yeah. became a, a little distressing. I bought some Fangorias. I didn't collect it religiously no. like I did with the other magazines. you know. And since then, there's been a little throwback to both, mm-hmm. I think. And now mm-hmm. the, in this era... And they, they kind of share, even, um, uh, what is it, Scary Monsters, that magazine, Scary Monsters. I yeah, think I think that's what yeah. it's called, yeah. Yeah, kind of, um, even though it's more of a throwback to the old, uh, famous monsters type of magazine, occasionally they'll do something on the newer films as well. And uh, <clears throat> there's a few others. I
1: yeah, the, the big thing that came out of that more than anything else was the specialty magazines. You know, you had your Star Trek magazine devoted just to Star Trek right. and Star Wars and yeah. you know and what have yeah. you and that has carried on. I don't yeah. know outside of the supernatural T V show, I don't know how many horror focused specialty magazines, other than one shots here and there for particular films. Yeah. You know? I don't know how much of that has carried on. But um
0: Very similar to back in your day when they, they had very similar stuff. You know, Western, they had a magazine right. for Westerns. They had yeah. a magazines for for the mobsters. We have yet again another resurgence of that stuff because now there's more of it out there. Mm-hmm. There's more channels on your television so you're going to have more shows. There are more movie theaters out there yeah. and more more actual film studios and they're cranking out more movies every year mm-hmm. unlike back in the old days when they right. when it was three or four possibly, you know, a, a year. Yeah. And it's, again, it's it's, it's an example of how that time period, like I said, late 60s, early 70s, there was a big shift in how people enjoyed their hobbies, you know, movies and movie memorabilia and, and learning about the movies. Again, still no internet. So this is how you get your stuff. Well, which leads us into the popularity of specifically horror magazines, because Makeup effects and film styles were changing. Mm-hmm. Fangoria, I feel, was the front runner to yeah. show hey, guess what? It's not just the actors who are making these films popular, it's also the writers, the directors, and specifically the gore masters yeah. the people who create the f- effects that make you squirm in your seats.
1: Yeah, and that spawned a whole new generation of monster magazines. You know, I I remember when I got into them in the 90s, there was a great magazine that only lasted about, I think, six or seven issues, I think I have them all, called Scream. And it was really, really well done. It really did focus primarily on new stuff, but it did novels and comics, and there was always at least one article about a classic film in there. And I, I loved it, but it just never really took off. You know, and yeah, I think you mentioned Scary Monsters. Scary Monsters started somewhere around in there. But the two big ones that I think come to my mind are, uh, well, the return of Famous Monsters. It had it had ceased publication for a long time. And then it returned in 1993, magically with issue number 200. <laughs> um, you know, just jumped straight to the, <laughs> the anniversary. And um, I believe the magazine was just called Hammer Horror, wasn't it? It was a UK magazine, and I think, and it was supposed to chronicle the entire history. By the time, oh,
2: no, you're talking about. Is uh, it a different title?
1: Am Hammer I built. the house that Hammer built? Uh, okay, uh, I had Wayne the wrong Kinsey. title. Yeah, Wayne Kinsey. So those are yeah. the two that really stick out: the yeah. Return of Famous Monsters and the
2: House that Hammer Built. Yeah, the House that Hammer Built. Wayne Kinsey is a, is a big fan of Hammer films in in the UK, and uh, and a writer there, and he's always been writing stuff, and he still does. But he th- came up with this idea for the House that Hammer Built which is a um, it was going to originally just be like a, a 12 issue run mm. covering all the films from the earliest beginnings of hammer in the yeah. 30s all the way up to when it stopped production yeah in the mid 70s it was I guess popular enough and he had so much to say and he did so much research on it <laughs> that uh, the last issue that I bought and it kind of folded after that unfortunately was like somewhere up in the in the close to 30 mm. and it still wasn't finished so that when the whole thing is complete it's supposed to be one volume one book wow on everything you the ever complete history of hammer Horror film in magazine and, form and uh because he had just gotten into the like the last eight or nine issues was biographies on all of the actors writers directors producers and everybody connected with it, mm-hmm. it listed alphabetically Showing a, pic- a photo of them and then telling about them and their and their Hammer films, listing all mm-hmm. their Hammer films and then some other highlights. And I think that got up to like the letter N. Mm. When I think I don't know if he ran out of the funds no. to keep doing it. Uh, but since then, he has written some other books on Hammer. I don't know if it's still his goal to hopefully finish this someday. But it has stopped somewhere around 27, 28, I want to hmm. say, something like that. Hmm. But it's excellently done, and it's on a very hard stock, glossy page. And, uh, I mean, it's it's pretty much a one-man show. He He does it all. Wow.
1: Talk that, about an authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> no kidding. That would yeah. be fun to try to track yeah. down some of those.
2: Yeah. And he's like, I think the, he somehow, he has Hammer Studios blessing for all this mm. because they're like, they work with him, I think. He, oh, to put it together. Okay, okay. Huh.
0: Yes. Well, it's, it's not a surprise. I mean, yeah. you would want somebody to, yeah, to passionately keep, yeah. mm-hmm. talk about the yeah. history of what you've done. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, I remember you getting those, and I, mm-hmm. at that same time, Famous Monsters came out, and that's when I got right. into Famous Monsters. Yeah. It was with the relaunch at issue 200, and that's, I think, somewhere in that run is where your picture showed right. up. Right,
2: yeah. I want to um, say it's around 210, 212, something, something
1: like, like that. that. I, I just remember it's the Wolfman cover. Yeah, yeah. But I, I loved it because they were all brand new articles, but it was completely in the style of the original Famous Monsters. Yeah. And it, and it focused really on the classics. Yeah. They didn't really touch much on new stuff. Right. Uh, because you had Fangoria for that oh, yeah. so for for our generation, for people like Nick and I, the Fangoria being so drastically different from famous monsters really worked for us because we had both we had famous monsters to give us mm-hmm. a complete issue just on the classics, and then Fangoria to give us a complete issue just on what was coming and, and well-rounded um, yeah education. it was you yes. know
2: that new run of famous monsters i believe was the one that was uh edited or published by uh ray ferry
1: the this the yeah the run that started with issue yes. 200 yeah yeah uh, he kind of took he, it over his
2: name was on there he was of yeah. like emeritus or something yeah i think he
1: helped in some way but yeah ray yeah. ferry was the guy and that brought it back
2: during that run towards like 250 260 somewhere in there There was some sort of a falling out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 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 it all folded. It all folded, but it has come back since then.
1: It has, but before it even came back, Fangoria folded as well. That's right. After it, yeah, I think a famous monster, I think you're right, hit around issue 250 or 260, somewhere around there, and I think Fangoria ended somewhere around 344, 350, somewhere in that area. Um, So, yeah, both kind of went away, Mm -hmm. but now they might both be back.
2: Or Ray Ferry tried another one. He came out with Freaky Monsters, and uh, that was very much like Famous Monsters. The covers were painted almost like Basil Gogos' original Mm -hmm. artwork and Mm -hmm. all that, and uh, it looked like Famous Monsters. The lettering on the front, but instead of Famous Monsters, it was Freaky Monsters. Uh Uh And that ran about 10 or 12 issues and suddenly disappeared. I don't know if there was a legal thing there (laughs) as well, maybe. I don't know. But uh, I have most of those. And then there have been a few other short runs, like Undying Monsters, which ran about five issues. That's within the last five years. Monsters from the Vault, which is an excellent, probably one of the best, my favorite since Famous Monsters. And it's very high glossy paper, hard cardboard covers. It came out like once every four months. Oh, wow. Like three or four a year. That was it. It highlighted the classics Mm -hmm. and they wrote very in-depth articles and uh, covered a lot of material. and They were very thick, and they started off with photo covers, but then somewhere around issue twelve, they started doing painted covers, which were beautiful, mm. beautiful artwork covers. That's one I know that collectors are really dying to get a hold of as well. That, mm. that run, I think it's it's gone too now, though.
1: Yeah, a lot of them kind of uh, kind of went away there in the uh, the early to mid. Two thousands and um, and well, then I mean,
0: what happens? The internet. The internet. Up. Do you it's really get need a magazine? Anywhere. A magazine yeah. yeah. When you can just easily, from the comfort of your home, own home, you don't even have to put on clothes, right? To learn information. Yeah. Well, that's where we want to know: Were you a fan or a collector of any of the fright mags that we listed? were there any monster magazines that we missed that you were really into head on over to our facebook page and start up a conversation with us there about your love for monster magazines now like i said before you know what do you what do you do with a magazine when you can comfortably sit in front of your computer and look up all the information you want The future is here, and print just might be dead. We'll get into that when we come back for more Two Guys Talking Horror. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the
3: Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's Curious Goods Podcast,
0: Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com.
3: Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors.
0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are still wading through a ocean of knowledge coming out of Mr. John Contini over here, our Sherpa up the mountain of horror magazines. So I'm just a big drip, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that sounds
2: like a four Ackerman joke, not <laughs> <Yeah>, it? Yeah, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> They're back. So now we had uh, mentioned that you know Fangoria and Famous Monsters and they all kind of folded up and went under because of the internet, and the internet really kind of became the way that the more current generation of monster kids got their news and their information. I mean, and even funny
0: enough, most of those magazines ended up getting websites. Oh yeah, 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 and they they would continue the to produce,
1: produce articles. Like yeah, that. right. Yeah, just, but it would just be digital format. You're not holding it yeah. in your
0: hand, and I'm sorry. I, I'll quote Stan Lee: Comic books, and I, and we'll, we'll now insert magazines, mm-hmm. are just like boobs. <laughs> they're nice to look at, but I want to hold them every once in a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's something there's something very tactile that I I love about holding an old comic and an old uh, magazine, and it's the you touch know and the it's yeah the, 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 smell. the and smell and even say the print print aroma and the yeah, yeah and even yeah, the newer ones the have a they, you know they're printed on different paper. Yeah. Both magazines and comics, but they have a different smell. But it's still a, a very distinct feel and smell to them. Yeah. And um, you know, and you just don't get that from the internet. But you know, in this day and age, when we carry computers in our pockets and um, you know we can have any information at the touch of our hand, and it, I guess, detracts a lot of people from buying and collecting these magazines. However, it seems like there is. A resurgence mm-hmm. in 2015 the classic monsters of the movies launched with issue one and so that has been going and then famous monsters came back for a short time there and they kind of split their time uh, almost going back to the way they used to do things where they would do articles on the original stuff and then they would do articles on new stuff but then they started filling their pages with a lot of advertisements. And um, and I think, you know, over the run of that, that third incarnation, they kind of started to to dip a little bit. And, you know, Forrey Ackerman was gone by then, and Ray Ferry had moved on, and he was doing uh, Freaky Monsters for a while, and it kind of dropped. But uh, even that now has come back, as uh, I believe it's called the Famous Monsters' Archives. I don't know if it's an annual thing now, if the book is an annual book, or, or if it's twice a year or what, but it's massive. And it's like $25, oh. something like that, per issue. I think there's only one out, <laughs> and the first one was on Godzilla.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. That's but a long way be... from $0.35 cents an issue. Well, yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but is it also going to be filled with information that I can't get somewhere else for $25? See, that's that's... I,
1: yeah, thing. I you know it's probably stuff. It's probably mostly reprinted articles. Right. I can't even imagine it's new articles because when you flip through it, it looks like the old classic articles. It it's a lot of reprints. Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: you've read it, yeah. right? Well,
1: yeah.
0: During the uh, during reprints. the break, uh, you were also mentioning a magazine that's going on right now. It's very popular in Britain.
2: I think that's the one you mentioned. Classic oh, is that is monsters. that it?
1: That I is the that's, one. That's the, oh, okay, okay. Okay. Classic okay.
2: Monsters of the movies. It has the painted covers. Usually, a different classic monster on the cover oh okay okay and uh but not released here not as far as i know but you could probably get a subscription and have it mailed to you across the pond yeah
1: Yeah, or who knows you might be able to find back issues a
2: lot of i've seen ads for them a lot of one-shot issues like they'll do a whole magazine on for example son of frankenstein
0: Hmm. or a
2: whole magazine on the original dracula and uh, with painted covers, usually.
3: Oh, wow.
0: That would oh, be and that, fun. And that's they're good because you know what you're getting. It's, it's yeah. all yeah. this subject right here. You're not going to be reading about Son of Frankenstein, and all of a sudden they're going to slip in Wolfman meets Frankenstein. Right. No, no, no. no. That's and, not what this is about.
1: And maybe, maybe with with the internet being what it is, maybe that is where Monster magazines need to go. Make Too it specific yeah. so mm-hmm. that, you know, you're getting what you want.
2: Which goes all the way back to some of the... Forry's ideas, because he did a couple of those back in the 60s, mm. one-shot magazines. There was one that, that he published that was just, for example, on the mole people, oh, okay. which I love. Wow. And it's uh, uh, as long and as thick as a famous monster's magazine, and uh, but it's just about the mole people, and it's the whole story in Photo Farm, comic book panels, mm. but photos from the movie with uh, balloon dialogue. Wow. Oh, cool. oh, wow! Yeah. All right. Yeah. And uh, and then some information about it as well. And he did one, a two uh, double issue thing with Curse of Frankenstein and Harv Dracula. Mm. Uh, same way, I believe it's it's photos. I have that one too. It's it's photos from the movie with the balloons dialogue uh, right. printed in. And then uh, of course Charlton tried to jump on the bandwagon, and they came out with one on uh, the Black Zoo. And that goes back to at least 1963 or 64 with yeah. Michael Goff, yeah. uh, who was the poor man's Peter Cushing. <laughs> and, uh, but excellent, I'm sorry, excellent actress. I love him. I love him. He's great. You're just not Peter <laughs> Cushing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they did a whole issue on, on the Black Zoo. Same thing. Photos. And the dialogue was balloons they put in there. So it's almost uh, those are rare to get a hold of. It's
1: almost like you know what's old is new again in yeah. a sense. Then you know to go to yeah. those those specialty things, and yeah. that's what he was yeah. doing then.
0: Well, that is what our gen. Well, I can't even call it our generation. It's the the, the new generation. That's what the new generation wants. And fine, okay, cool. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'll take it
1: because what it's done is in in some form it has brought back famous monsters and now you know those articles that are in the archives books may just be rehashes for all of us but think about the up-and-coming monster kid generation and it's it's new to them they've never read the articles and now fangoria Fangoria has returned returned. and i what i think that's a quarterly now isn't it i think it or it started off something like that
0: i don't know i don't know i'd have to look into it i mean it, it, it started recently it was just the end of 2018 I wanna say October of twenty eighteen, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I wanna say the new Halloween, the Mike. Oh Myers yes, I think Max that
1: was PC. the first,
3: first yeah.
0: the is first October, issue of the new run. Yeah. So that for that first issue, so Yeah. yeah.
2: And I assume these magazines are like eleven ninety five each or twelve ninety five. Probably. Like yeah. Probably,
1: yeah. yeah. Yep, probably, probably Inflation. again.
2: But like I said, it was just as hard to get thirty-five cents back then. Yeah,
1: so. I was say they're they're probably <laughs> so doing probably, just as many extra dishes yeah, and
2: yeah. <laughs> or whatever kids do nowadays. Whatever
0: get, they do, well, yeah. Kid, not only do kids allowance have been, do well, they have allowances? They, anymore? I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm I'm sure. Uh, the the great thing about it is, is though, is that the technology has expanded our delivery system of mm-hmm. getting the information even more. Yes, we have the magazines are back. They are out there because people will buy them, they do want to read them. You can still get the information online, great. But there's so many other avenues that you can also utilize mm-hmm. to get your horror and horror specifically information nowadays, not counting the magazines and the websites. You know, there's there's blogs and news sites Constantly, I mean, I get notifications all the time on my phone about a new article that's posted from this site or that site.
1: YouTube videos, review shows.
0: Hmm. And, uh, well, also podcasts. Oh, right. That's what this is, isn't it? Yeah. It's (laughs) not radio. It's podcast. Yeah. We
2: created some new monsters, haven't we? (laughs) Correct.
0: Yes. Really, when it boils down to it, we don't care how. You get your information. We just want you to absorb that information. Get it any way you can. If you listen to a podcast, great. I hope you're listening. Well, of course you're listening to this one because you're listening to this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting really meta and existential right hmm. now. I mean, let me pull it back a little bit. Hmm. Grab a magazine. If you if you have never read a horror magazine, do yourself a favor and at least do it once find somebody who has a couple find somebody's parents who have a couple and just read one give it a shot i swear it's not going to kill you or maybe it will
1: <laughs> and that's where we now ask all of you how exactly do you get your horror fix do you get it through blogs do you get it through videos podcasts like this one or are you a die hard monster kid getting your info from Monster Magazines. Let us know by heading over to twoguystalkinghorror.com. Click the contact button, fill out the form, and let us know where you get your news from.
0: Now, sadly, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to say goodbye. But before we do that, I want to again thank our special guest, John Contini, for braving his way here, bringing all of these (laughs) great monster magazines for us to page through. We are going to be taking pictures. It'll be up on our website, on our on our social media pages. You'll be able to see us geek out of all the cool stuff that he's brought. John, thank you oh, for stopping by. Hope that you will come back again. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime <laughs> you want to talk about classic horror, I'm here. Well, until next time, I'm one of your hosts, Nicholas J. Hearn.
1: I'm your other host, Jason Contini.
0: And remember... Don't be afraid of the dark. Be afraid of what's in the dark. Congratulations. You've survived this episode of Two Guys Talking Horror. We hope you were entertained and informed by our program. Take what you have learned and pass it on to your family and friends. It may just save their lives someday. Have questions? Comments? Suggestions for a future episode? Visit our website at twoguystalkinghorror.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side and fill out our short web form. It's the easiest way to interact with the hosts. Beware of monsters, creatures, and all things that go bump in the night. And keep telling yourself, it's only a podcast. It's It's only only a podcast." podcast. It's only a, podcast.
1: It's, it's only only a podcast. podcast.
0: it's only a podcast. It's,
3: it's only, only a podcast. It's only a podcast. That's Carol Ann.
0: (laughs) They're here. (laughs) Why, Carol Ann, what a deep voice you have. (laughs) Call me Carl.
1: Head on over to our website at uh, twoguystalkinghorror.com.
0: Hit the contact button.
1: Hit the contact button.
0: Fill out the contact form.
1: Fill out the contact form.
0: And let us know.
1: And let us know.
0: You're a good parrot.
1: <laughs> I, I'm a good parrot.
0: <laughs> Insert the toe. Insert the toe. Shut up. <laughs> Quiet, you <laughs>